Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hello, welcome to episode four of the Game Artist Podcast. Today, I am thrilled to be interviewing Adam Ross of Marvel Entertainment. Adam has had really an amazing career moving as a sculptor in the collectible industry all the way over into films and actually sculpting the assets, the characters in films, Iron Man, Hulk, and having a hand in all of these just wonderful properties like Captain America, Black Panther, and even doing a stint there on Ghostbusters, and a lot more. Man, I've been a fan of Adam Ross since his uh, Sweet Mary Jane sculpt he posted a while ago. So let's hop over there into the interview. I'm really excited to be able to share this with you so you can kind of see the journey that somebody can take as a sculptor as a digital sculptor, and how they can turn that into a career that's really impacting you know, thousands of people. You ready? All right, let's go. Uh, so let's start, Adam, with where you work. Where, where are you working now? Uh, I work at Marvel Studios here on the Disney lot here in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work in the visual development department. Um, where we're responsible for creating a bulk of all the uh, concepts, sketches, and models uh, that cover primarily characters, but we also get into the props as well. Cool. And so is that where Josh Herman used to work, or is it a different department? Yes. Yes. I actually replaced Josh uh, oh. after he, he left left for Cloud Imperium. Yeah. Um, because of where I worked, like, I worked for a lot of the vendors that kind of you know, tertiary to Marvel, where we would actually take the concept of models and then mm-hmm. actually build the props and the suits. Mm-hmm. And so over a period of years, I got to know Josh and Ryan and Andy and the gang here at Marvel. Yeah. Um, and so when, when Josh left, um, that close relationship and like knowing the ins and outs of how things worked and plus what I'd done just kind of kind of dovetailed together really well. Oh. So I ended up uh, getting taking Josh's job after he left. That's sweet. All right. So what does that job entail? Because I know I've interviewed um, Josh on this and Josh had this really specific, like he had a skill set with Maya and like all these different elements. I mean, I think even he's a, uh, he does used to be able to do some effects, things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what is, what do you do there? Um, The job description is still I'd say, you know, pretty much the same as what Mm -hmm. when Josh was here. Um, Although over time, with the advent of like ZBrush expanding in its ability so much and 3D printing gaining in popularity. I mean, when, when I was at Legacy, we were one of pretty much only a couple studios that utilized it. So all those uh, technologies swimming upstream into this department, mm-hmm. um, the duties I have are a little bit different than what Josh used to have. I still do work with Ryan and work with the other concept artists yeah. to help more fully realize their concepts in 3D. But yeah. At the same time, I do also work uh, with the vendors to kind of, I guess, make sure that the concepts maintain their cohesiveness or maintain the general idea further through the pipeline. Yeah. Um, so I will do, you know, fairly advanced models to pass on, um, pass on to VFX and to uh, the costume vendors. Okay. Got it. All right. And then, uh, Jane and Lance, um, can you guys make sure that everybody else in the character artist bootcamp is in here as well? Uh, just to shoot something in the, in the note. So with, um, Josh, one of the things I was noticing was just that he was like, he was, uh, working directly with Ryan Minor Dean and some of the other guys to really help them develop the concepts. And, um, and mm-hmm. when Josh was doing it, it was a very new thing. It was like concept that, cause Ryan can draw like crazy, right? He can draw and paint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always, Im- I love Ryan, but it's, it's always embarrassing working around him just because of how insanely talented he is and how right, fast yeah. he lays it down. You know, <laughs> I get that. I mean, just looking at his work, you know, it's just, it's, there's very few people with that level of skill working. You know, it's quite amazing. Exactly. Exactly. And, and a full understanding of 3D as well. You know, even though like Ryan has gotten into uh, incorporating a lot of 3D into uh, facilitating his 2D concepts, mm-hmm. uh, 
and that that's increasing across the board with you know pretty much all the concept guys uh but yeah his his understanding of 3d in a 2d space is also phenomenal so him being able to come up and even look over your work and help you figure out okay you know what's what's not quite right about a piece you're working on because he, he sees in 3d and can work in 2d which a lot of guys you know that 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 transition between the two is kind of rough for him but he does it seamlessly that's great and so at that point, they were really trying to figure out the pipeline. Do you think that, I mean, is it pretty clear now how Concept is using you as a 3D, as a sculptor and a 3D artist? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that that's solidified quite a bit mm -hmm. um, to the point to where they're not, we're not really – uh, expanding that as much or because it's already kind of set in stone, like what yeah. that process looks like. Yeah. And, but now we're actually saying, okay, well, what else can we do with 3d to keep pushing the 2d forward? Or how can we use, you know, 3d to, to better express these concepts, whether it be like through an effect or, or through a texture on a model, as opposed to just painting can, you know, are we providing even higher quality alphas, you know, for, for actual use in the pipeline for after it gets past us, you know? Good, great. And that's, yeah, that's, I was thinking that was the case. So I want to, I want to really kind of dive into that because, you know, you guys are at the concept ed, edge, which is the first, it's like the leading edge. And, you mm -hmm. know, before it used to be, hey, let's just throw some 2D concepts. Maybe somebody will go out and sculpt it. And uh, then Neville Page and guys like him were doing 3D concepts. I know Avatar mm -hmm. was a big turning point for our industry. You know, James Cameron had like, um, I think he had a traditional guy, he had a 2D guy, and he had a 3D guy or, or a group of mm -hmm. people like that and trying to see who beat who, <laughs> you know, who gets it, who does it the fastest. And, yeah. um, and so I think that that's been all locked in that 3D is now, you know, so crucial to it. But where does it, where does your work now go? Because you can now, you, you product, you provide kind of finished 3D pieces. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I say finished. It it varies in degree, based obviously based upon time we have mm -hmm. or what the, you know the requirements are. So like, say like for Hulk, for example. Yeah, let's I don't look know, can at you still the, see my screen? Yeah, let's look at Hulk. That'd be great. And this is for the last. Okay. Um, yeah, this is for Thor. Thor. This is for Ragnarok. Yeah. yeah. This is also in the art of book as well. Cool. Um, so in this case, you know, sometimes we'll we'll have a lot of time to plan for something. So we will provide like a full, or I can provide a fully retopped textured model yeah. uh, to the vendor. Uh, but some cases, like something comes up late in the game, and they're like, "Well, you know, we need to get this done in like you know two or three weeks and hammer this thing out," as opposed to having a longer period of time to kind of finesse things. And so some pieces will end up being retopped. Some pieces like are just really polished dynamesh sculpts yeah. which leave it to somebody else to do the, the final retop on which yeah. i'd say by the way after having left our department the guys that all worked on this model like really faithfully carried it over into the film mm -hmm. got it all right so your job it's still like a still concept you're still um mm -hmm. there's still some looseness you're not finishing everything all the way because you're not doing material no 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 we just try to basically so like we use or I use uh, the ZBrush and I use KeyShot mm -hmm. and obviously, you know, with, with KeyShot, you're not getting environmental effects or those things, though, the, the materials in KeyShot aren't going to carry over into the VFX pipeline. Yeah. So what I'm turning over as far as uh, the model itself will just represent the volume or the detail, but then the key shot renders will just represent, okay, this is the overall color, the feeling, the types of materials that we're looking for. So those aspects of materials don't always carry over. I assume or figuring that, you know, some of our alphas do, mm -hmm. but uh, like, you know, studios have such very different pipelines that, that they will then readapt it all into how they work. Okay. Got it. And how much of uh, the material or the texturing do you do in ZBrush? How much in KeyShot? Um, me that's changed recently since mm -hmm. especially since this piece yeah i did pretty much all of it in um in zbrush okay. uh with like the, the paint but then like materials wise i'll always try to convert it over to some sort of just base material in zbrush and just keep keep my uh my 2d textures 
intact. Yeah. So like say for the for the skin on Hulk, I, I maintained the exact same coloring and paint job that I did in ZBrush, but then we'll just assign a, a basically tweaked skin shader and key shot so that it gets the quality of skin but maintains maintains the paint job. Mm -hmm. Got it. All right, cool. And what do they give you to start with? So obviously with Hulk and Iron Man and all the there's a big there's a vast avoir of um reference and style guides mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But like when you start a project now, what do you get to work with? Uh actually let me get over here. Can you still see my screen? Uh -huh. All right. Hang on a sec. Let's see if this'll open up here. If I can, I'll show you. Um I'm seeing still Thor though. Are you still seeing? You're still seeing that Hulk, yeah. All right. If it, you're still seeing Hulk, then it's not letting me. Let me see if I can pull it up through here. Can you see me going through my file manager right now? No. Is it on another monitor or? No, it's on. It's on this monitor actually. Okay. Yeah, it looks like it's it stuck here. So um, you can stop sharing and then reshare. Okay. That works. Let me, get, let me see. Where's the stop sharing on here? You got to go back to the go to meeting tab. Oh, yeah. Stop sharing screen. Okay. There you go. All right. And Let me uh, see if I can pull this up. See if it'll open. See if I can share again. Um, just in lieu of that while I'm trying to get this open, uh, it varies like what I'll get from the 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 2D guys. Uh, most of the time, it is somewhat of a hybrid. Like they will start with the 3D model. Mm -hmm. Um. And but that let me see that's strange. It's not letting me open it up here and go to meeting. Um, like I will get you know like a very base 3D model sometimes where literally uh, guys will do like most of their paint over work in Photoshop to get that concept where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. um, some cases like like Ryan, based upon how much time he has, if he has a base model to go from, uh, then he might give me just a 2d painting. And like, if you look through the art of Thor book, literally for Hulk, I started with a 2d, a 2d model. We, now we do have, um, it's still not open up. That's really strange. Your Let's screen's not sharing too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go back and share it again. Right. Um, and we'll get back to the art station. Can you see my screen again? Yeah. Back on, uh, okay. Hulk. Back on Hulk. Yeah. That's strange. Um, but yeah, so like, We'd start off with like with with Hulk. Start off with 2D, but we do have access to prior models. So mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, sit there and say, okay, well, I can take all this glory and build a Hulk from the ground up. Well, we already have a prior Hulk model uh, that you know we know VFX is going to start from. Yeah. So we do, we'll just start dressing pre-existing models. So I do try to build libraries. I've always tried to be like that because you know with with commercial art time is always of the essence so i have zero shame in going back and repurposing old models especially in a case where you're actually building it on the same character that's going to be used in the film got it yeah all right and when you're working on um something like hulk you know what is your thinking process um for how you do this like yeah you know in terms, especially with somebody like him, you know, there's so much muscle, there's so much. Yeah. Is he big boned? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. I mean, he just my perception is he's like a over muscled toddler. You okay. know, he's like he just. Uh, but when it comes to dressing him, we do sit there and try, you know, take in consideration how he tends to move and how he has moved on screen. Mm -hmm. uh, so that we don't try not to end up in places where, you know, uh, the costume is going to cause a lot of problems. That being said, though, we do – that's not something that you're always having at the forefront of your mind, but you just kind of learn to keep it as an undercurrent when you're working mm -hmm. on things. Yeah. And the guys here have done it for so long, like, you know, Ryan and Andy and Anthony Francisco and Jackson and Rodney and, 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 and Ian and the gang. It's like uh, – it just it's, – it's second nature. So uh, – so – at that point, it pretty much becomes to how do we adhere to the concept as much as possible without watering it down. Got it. And so the the starts in ZBrush, you're creating some yes. models, shooting them back and forth. Like, uh, how long do you have to work on these projects? Uh, you know, it varies. I mean, sometimes they'll sit there and say, okay, well, immediately for this one shot, we need, like, say, Hulk's helmet. Yep. And that was the first thing I started on. And 
that was pretty much, you know, sometimes what we thought was like, this is going to be the only piece they're going to need from us for this, which eventually turned into doing the whole thing. But for the helmet, um, at the time I was working from home because they hadn't remodeled the studio at that point. Mm-hmm. There was no room for me. And so Ryan just called me up and said, Hey man, we need this helmet uh, like, like today. And when can you have it? And so pretty much I had the rough over to him in about two or three hours working from his concept, just us bouncing back and forth. And was your deliverable um, a 3d model or a final image? Yes. Deliverable was a 3d model and, uh, a, later on a render. Cause they, a lot of times in the process, a vendor will sit there and say, okay, well, we, we're not really going to, we, we know you're going to send us this final render, mm-hmm. but we need, say, a 3D asset now to go ahead and get started in the process because we know we're going to have to retop or we're never going to have to figure these things out. And so sometimes those follow at different rates. Sometimes they go all together. It just varies based upon uh, production needs. Do you know what drove that need to get Hulk's head like right away? Was it some vendor requirement or – uh, at the time, I don't know, but sometimes it, it sometimes they'll shuffle a shot around and yeah. say, "Okay, well, we're not going to be able to do these shots right now, so let's move this up." Yeah. Um, in this particular case, I wasn't sure. I'd say maybe a third of the time, I figure I find out why stuff got moved around, but the rest of the time, it's just whatever the needs were of production, and we, you know, do whatever we can to facilitate that and make it happen. Yeah. Got it. All right, let's check your art station. I want to look at some more work and get sure. some, some more process. And you said there's a chance we can get into ZBrush. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how this works here. <laughs> yeah, when, when you, like anytime you sit there and be like, oh, yeah, let's do it. And somebody comes over to look at your screen and the computer just goes. Wah, wah, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, so let's take a look at some of your older stuff. I'd love to talk about your history, okay. like um, how you got into this, what kind of education you did, you know, and, and okay. how how you feel like your work has evolved over the years. So I don't know how old your art station goes. Um, um, this actually, the oldest piece, the, the one piece that's not on here, actually, actually, it's not, it's not going to be on here. This, let me see, let me see how I'm bringing this up. Can you see Mary Jane? Yep. Okay. The first piece I did before this was actually, I started off at General Giant 15 years ago. Okay. Um, I went to school at Savannah College of Art and Design, majored uh-huh. in computer art. Yeah. Um, at the time, they wouldn't let you focus on modeling. They actually forced you to do a animation, the 3D modeling. The texturing, I understand, wraps into it, but they really didn't let you focus a lot. Right. Um, so after, after SCAD, and I knew I wanted to model, I had to take a whole year to retool my – uh, portfolio again exactly towards modeling which led to me getting an internship at General Giant mm-hmm. when I was there they were still using scans um, as kind of like a supplement to the sculpting process yeah. and most everything was like we would model some props but while I was there I did a piece for uh, Ratchet and Clank because Insomniac Games was right down the street from us and they had like a 10th anniversary piece okay. and I modeled the entire Ratchet and Clank in Maya and so that was their first piece they had done completely digitally as a character yeah. And mine as well. Um, from there, I moved to McFarland, where McFarland hired me to build their digital department. Yeah. Uh, they just recently got some scanners and 3D printers. And, uh, and is that where we were doing? Uh, like, is that where Steve Lord is now? Or were you? I think I think Steve, if, if he he was there, and I and like I you know we were friends when and we still know each other. Uh, when I was there, I, I believe he still works for them. I'm not sure. I haven't I spoken to him in a year. So. I forget exactly where he joined. So it must have been that's where he was when I was. When we okay. Were okay. And now I know he, he does a lot of work for Sideshow now. So yes. maybe, maybe that's, that's where, that's where he landed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, with McFarland, they dipped their toes in the water a lot more because digital was still pretty new. The 3D printing thing as far as uh, production process is still really new. So mm-hmm. being a gentle giant really, I felt, put me at the vanguard of that. Yeah. And I really latched onto it and embraced it. So when they had me build the uh, department at McFarland, um, I was really trying to push more for this you know, 3D sculpting and printing. Right. And um, at the time, they, they felt really comfortable with just like say – leaving us to model hard surfaces they really didn't have didn't they had a lot of traditional sculptors mm-hmm. and they're like okay for our pipeline we want to keep it traditional and yeah. so i did this piece here mary jane uh with uh, martin brooks who's a marvel artist and um i paid for it myself paid for the print paid for the paints by cat sapine who is also at sideshow now amazing painter mm-hmm. and um i took this entire painted piece in and um and presented it 
And even after that, they still felt that, okay, you know, we, we still prefer our pipeline, which is fine. works great for them. But for me, I was like, this is the direction I wanted to grow. Right. So that year at Comic-Con, I took this piece to comic, uh, to sideshow and, um, Tom Gilliland, uh, who I sat down with him and Mark Brooks and he looked at it and was like, this is awesome when you want to start. Nice. And so, so I left McFarlane and had like two years of work just right out of the gate. Oh man, that's awesome. So uh, that's really neat. So you financed this thing yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. You did all the work yeah. after hours or on the mm -hmm. job? Oh, after hours, after oh, hours, yeah. I always made sure to do things after hours. I cleared it with them. I even know because I was running the department, I'm, you know, yeah. one of the things is never assume that anything is okay. Yeah. And, uh, and the guys, the uh, president, uh, Ed Frank and vice president, Andy Frank, um, and, uh, they were just, they're cool about it. And I said, look, I'm going to pay for the material. Here's how much it costs. And so just finance the whole thing because I, you know, I want it to be a clean process, you know? Yeah. I get that. And uh, how much did this thing cost? If you can tell me like to, to finance. Oh, man, that I, I think total for me for printing and painting, I think was somewhere at the time around $2,500. Wow. That's a big investment um, to just do all your own. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I just really saw where it was headed. I mean, we were doing some uh, slightly organic work with some of the Dragons line at the time, I think, like rough on the wings, but we weren't doing like they still wanted. Um, McFarland has a very specific feel to it. Mm -hmm. And even at the time, I mean, I, like I'd have to admit, even at the time, it would be have been very hard to capture the same sculpting feel that had been cultivated at McFarland that we know they had spent all these years copying or trying to emulate Todd's style um, and texturing. Mm -hmm. And um, so we were still just doing very basic forms. But like I said, I knew this is where I wanted to go. So I felt for me that that was what I wanted to push through with and take a risk. And that risk, you know, it, it paid off big time which really launched my freelance career and eventually led to legacy and the film work and now to Marvel. That's awesome. All right, let's head back to your art station. I, I remember this. Was sure. this put in Seabrook Central? Yeah, this piece, it's funny because uh, this piece was at Seabrook Central, also did a tutorial, I think, on 3D Buzz, on mm -hmm. 3D Total, yep. and, um, and outlined the whole thing. Because at the time, I was using a very, very expensive piece of saw magics to do all of my booling functions and all yeah. my cutting work. Yeah. And, uh, and then a friend of mine, a now friend of mine who was at legacy at the time saw the tutorial and they were just finished up Iron Man one, I think. Mm -hmm. And at that time, like every channel, like they wanted to run a practical, like line through for whatever practical prop they were having to model it in. And he saw my tutorial and then he brought it to the gang. And then it's funny because then they implemented the basic process that I'd come up with uh -huh. for my work. Nice. And then, you know, magically three years later, then I'm working at legacy. So that, it's funny how like such a small world it is. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and I think it's really important to emphasize the role that education has in that, you know, mm -hmm. like just constantly putting stuff out, educating people, helping them understand. And then you never know where that leads. So that led you right back to legacy and then on from there. Yeah. Exactly. Well, because when I went in to interview, I mean, it was just like, okay, just another guy they're going to interview. And then uh, Jason Lopes, who was the the head of the uh, yeah, 3D the uh, printing. Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing the interview and they're kind of like, okay, who's this guy? And then Jason goes, oh, this is the guy that did the tutorial and, and the Mary Jane and all that stuff and, and magics. And they're like, oh. And so like, then it kind of like all fell into place. And because there was no <laughs> the great thing was, is other than learning some of their basic processes, like mm -hmm. literally I just plugged right in. There was no more training required because I had taken all that time to learn. Yeah, that's great. In fact, actually, if you don't mind, I want you to click on a link um, so that people sure. can see this. I'm going to post it into the messages. Uh, okay. That I just found your post on, uh, Zebra, on Zebra Central. I can't okay, remember if this is okay, road or not. Um, but I remember seeing this because that was uh, – 10 years nine years ago yeah so i was knee deep long time stuff yeah let's see if it loads yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow man it goes by so quickly doesn't it yeah <laughs> yep and then stuff too like the organic process like uh uh mark's original drawing really only went from like her feet up and uh 
Mark didn't even know me. I had a, a one degree connection with him through uh, Tim Miller, who's a fantastic sculptor who works for uh, does a lot for DC collectibles. Um, he'd also worked for Sideshow. And so he introduced me to Mark just because I'd found this piece I wanted to do. And uh, so I told Mark, I was like, you know, we need to figure out a base for it. And I was like, what if we did this kind of a Cupie doll like stuffed plush type thing? And so he just whipped out a sketch real quick. And we just, I don't think, I don't see if the process pictures are in here or not. Page yeah, four. there's, there's a, oh wow, already on page four. Yeah. Um, here we go. And it, it, I don't know if it's process, but that's where you put the tutorial of, of, um, of cutting it in magics and stuff like that, which thankfully you don't yeah. need to spend $10,000 for anymore. I know. I know. Oh my gosh. At the time, like, I'd used magic so much and at the time they only wrote the software for uh I found it online just by accident because we mm -hmm. needed something that could cut cut the parts up. Yeah. And they had only ever really written the software for industrial purposes. And mm -hmm. so once they saw what I was doing with it, they're like, Do you use this all the time for this? And I was like, Well, yeah, that that's what I do. And they said, Well, you know what? Our software engineers only write the software to handle the most complex piece we give them, which up to this point was like an engine block, which, you know, geometrically is, is simple. Yeah. And they're like, can you send us some of this geometry for us to rewrite the code? So they actually ended up rewriting and recoding magics to be able to handle these really intense data sets. So that, wow. that was really cool. That's neat. So, yeah, too bad their price point was a little bit out of yes, connection I know. with the market. I know. I, 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 yeah, I know. I, at the time, it was necessary, and I, I paid the cash for it, and it, wow. it, pro, it profited me. Like within a month or two after going sideshow, it paid itself off. Mm -hmm. um, but with the advent of ZBrush and and live booleans, it's like now literally. You can do literally. I spend ninety eight percent of my time in ZBrush, and that includes cutting, keying, print prepping. Mm -hmm. uh, the files that come out of ZBrush, as far as for print prep, are as clean, if not cleaner, than any other software I've used. And, and for their price point, it's 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 just phenomenal. I don't I don't have to go on about that, you know. Yeah. Are you still cutting like this? Where like if we go scroll down to where it is, so that you leave this little bit of a lip. And uh, yeah, and the keys in the I inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still do. I still use that exact same technique. Um, now, with as relate to these little pie plates, mm -hmm. um, not so much anymore. Uh, occasionally, I will build pieces like that if it's that specific. Yeah. Uh, but now, um, because Dynamesh and all these other processes have, you know, Z mesh and stuff have come into the the loop. Um, it's easy for me to sit there and do a basic sculpt, tear the piece off, dynamesh it, sculpt the lip on it, and then literally I'm just sitting there just keying A from B. I'm not really having to sit there and uh, create these shapes the same way. Now, the technique and the end result is still the same, yeah. but yeah, I don't, I don't have to worry about modeling these pieces anymore to do those cuts. Oh, you mean you just uh, sculpt that cut right in yourself? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of times, like say, like say for like – if you can see here, like I'm looking at her legs versus mm -hmm. her thighs, yeah. I would literally just sculpt the thigh as one piece, tear that off, dynamesh it, flatten this out, yep. and then I would go over here, and then I would actually sculpt, like cut A from B, and then I would just – sometimes I just sculpt the keys in, but sometimes yeah. I do, depending upon time, I'll sit there and just bring in a basic shape, a basic like a trapezoid-type shape, and just, yep. just plug it right in. Cool. That's awesome. So that's – But my keys are – go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so that's nine years ago, and this piece yeah. uh, got you a job at Sideshow, got you client, a really good client, mm -hmm. two years of work, you said. Yeah. And then ultimately was a contributing factor in uh, Legacy. Yes. And Legacy, yeah. I imagine, led to Marvel. Uh, in a roundabout way, it did. Um, so all the work I'd done, because – Engineering is engineering. I mean, as long as you can sit there and figure out scale correctly mm -hmm. and and understand the client needs when it comes to, yeah. you know, pre precision measurements, whether it be on an action figure, a statue or like a huge prop, you know, like like stuff that Legacy makes, um, those skills are completely transferable. And that's one thing with my career that I tell a lot of people that are just getting into it is when I first came into this, I was very dead set. At, I'm going to be in visual effects. That's exactly all I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw Jurassic Park. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then when I got to, yeah, when I got to, to General Giant, 
yeah. I saw this the three printing, and you have to you have to be able to bend with the wind that's driving your career. You have mm. to sit there and say, this is something I'm interested in and I'm willing to ride it and see where it takes me because I enjoy it or I see a future in it. Mm-hmm. And, and I still, it's, it's funny cause I thought once I got into collectibles, I thought, okay, like I'm leaving this whole film thing behind and then roundabout way brings me right back into, like I said, my dream job, you know? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Cause you literally sculpt superheroes all day yeah <laughs> yeah all day long all yeah. day long what did you do on ghostbusters ghostbusters let me see i want let me see i may only have one picture up of this mm-hmm. if i could bring up the others the guns she has i built those guns sweet um let me see i don't i don't know if i can now when i'm sharing screen here is it actually sharing my desktop or just is it sharing the full desktop correct it should be your desktop like i yeah i see your um uh file browser right now okay do you see my file browser okay let me see if this will actually open okay Ah, now this was can you see okay this was a concept by ryan this was in the uh the thor art book yeah um this was one of the base concepts we start with so like you can see here where we ended up taking like the shoulder rig from that Mm -hmm. forearm rig Mm -hmm. um and you know some of the belt stuff so i started with a conglomeration of a lot of these type type art pieces um to work through let me see if i let me jump up here ah, it's not in there oh well That's um so yeah they also had another piece in there which was called the, the ghost chipper uh-huh. um and that you know would suck them in the front and basically shoot slime out the back and so that was i did those for quantum creation effects yeah um great place christian and the gang over there and that's, uh, yeah uh, that was was that freelance yeah that was all freelance now when I moved out here, I came in to work in-house mm-hmm. uh, for uh, for Legacy, um, and then I was there for about two years. Uh, and then after that, like I went straight into working on or working with uh, Jose Fernandez over at Ironhead, working mm-hmm. on Batman versus Superman. Crazy um, guy. Yeah, yeah, man. Jose, he's like sounds cliche, but he is the artist, artist. Um, yeah amazing working with him amazing watching him work um and so worked with him on that a few other projects and that's when i just went into the freelance circuit for about another two and a half to three years i worked with him on some projects i worked with film illusions uh with russ and his crew uh and then over with christian at quantum creation effects all three of them just just top-notch guys top-notch studios um and that and i was still the funny thing was is even though um uh, I was doing a bulk of Marvel work when I was at Legacy. When I was at the other studios, I was still doing, you know, some Marvel work, and that kept me in that loop with Ryan and Josh and the gang, which eventually led to uh, led to the job here. Sweet. So, how much does this work that you do um, for the film? How do, how much of that uh, goes into the actual collectible of of the uh, character? Oh, so you mean – are you talking about reference to the work I'm doing here at Marvel, how much makes it in? Yeah, and and then I, I kind of wanted to know how your background in collectibles working with you now or for you. Um, like I said, so many of these skills are completely transferable. So mm-hmm. um, like say we would – sometimes when you're working in collectibles, you don't get full assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, for these that I did for DC, yeah. we would receive – uh, sometimes highly detailed assets, sometimes very limited assets. In his case, we did receive a uh, fairly nice retopped model with zero texturing and zero fine detailing. So with this case, you know they're they're relatively easy to do, except for the fact that they wouldn't give us wouldn't give us the helmet to work on. Yeah. And so I had to sit there and figure out, well, what am I going to do to get this helmet? Like, uh, yeah, I could sculpt it from scratch, but they were being like the the client rightly so was being so stringent upon making sure it actually matched what was in the film i had 36 watermarked photographs of the helmet and i was like well what can i do with this well i knew somebody that had a copy of agisoft photo scan which if if uh Anybody that's in on this hasn't heard of photogrammetry when it relates to scanning. Look it up. That's the future of, of and actually the, the reality of things now, but it's the increasingly the future of scanning. Uh, I was able to plug in those 36 watermarked uh, photographs 
and generate uh, accurate scan data that at the end of it, like, and this is funny, this is always how it usually ends up being. You yeah. go ahead, you make this model, you sculpt it, and then at the end of the process, sometimes they'll be like, oh, by the way, here's the finished uh, the VFX uh, 3D model that you wanted like three weeks ago. And <laughs> you're like, I've already done it. And so I compared the base scan data volume-wise and yeah. where the de details laid, compared it in my finished one to the VFX final model, yeah. and it was like 95 to 98% just dead nuts, like that accurate. The point I say in relation mm. to what you're saying is like, how does this work through? I deal with a lot of the same stuff here. I still deal with with using scan data, figuring out how to utilize it, even if the scan data didn't turn out so great. Um, so the same skills that I use for uh, for figuring out things with collectibles are the same things I use for figuring out stuff with props mm -hmm. and are the same things I figure out that I use here at Marvel because uh, – and as it relates to those skills transferring to Marvel um, – a big part of the concept is now is also being able to present if it's going to be a wearable costume is to being able to present uh, an accurate representation of your of the idea. Yeah. So being able to use scan data and say, OK, well, based upon my experience with uh, Legacy and the other studios, I know that th that they can safely build up a muscle suit this thick without impeding an actor. Or we can build shoes that, that function this way around an actor's foot and then still be comfortable. So all that that past experience of, of the visual effects or the, the practical effects side of it came right into play in helping out with the concept stuff here at Marvel. It totally makes sense. I get that. Okay. So cool. Uh, so now maybe we should try to get ourselves into ZBrush. Just, I'd love to just see a model. So that okay. you know, render is one thing, and then I'd love to just see it so people understand. Because you know, a lot of times we expect certain things, but when you're a professional, you know those expectations are out the door because you got deadlines, you got um, you know people that are aren't as demanding as as we might be on ourselves. Yeah. And All right. Let me uh, let me see if I can get this going. If this crashes, forgive me. Yeah. This is an, uh, a really now, this was just for a concept model for a piece we did uh, mm -hmm. for the book signing. Can you see it? Can you mm -hmm. see the totally. – let me see if I can – apparently my uh, – hang on. Let me try this. Oh, this is P2. Hang on. Hang on. And you got solo one. Yeah, it should be – yeah, it should be uh, – why are you not – another reason I ended up changing – uh, computers on here was because you, hold, you should just be able to hold shift and turn all these on, but it's not working for some reason. We'll go mm -hmm. through one by one. Um, you see just basically how it got built up. And I am like, one thing on, because these files are so heavy. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, we're looking one thing. Huge, 111 million already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's one thing. As long as the computer can handle it, mm -hmm. I will. I work really heavy, and then I'll boil it down at the end. When the computer screams at me, I can't take any more. That's when I'm like, okay, all right, all right, all right. We'll we'll back it off. <laughs> and uh, also too, like you see, like I try to naming conventions because that's one thing. But when it was just me working on my own, turning over just a deliverable, mm -hmm. um, I was just turning over. STL files, and that's all I had to worry about being organized about. But in film, these files, they're going to so many people, and they need to have – I don't want them to open it up and just curse my name for it being like part number 27, part number 52. <laughs> yeah. So I always try to be extremely descriptive in my, my organization when I turn over a file, which I think is the thing I see some people neglect quite a bit. I'm fascinated by this arrow. Yes. Okay. Organization is because – this is one thing I just made a quick dirty thing in uh, Shadowbox. Mm -hmm. With personally with me, I hate the idea of having everything in one insanely long subtool list. Ooh, there is yeah. a a plug. There's a plugin out there. Like I won't mention the name that I tried that was supposed to help with organization, mm -hmm. uh, but it was for me. I found it to be really really buggy, and so I do a little version of that myself where I just have this arrow. And that helps me to say, okay, well, all his shoe parts are below here. All his helmet stuff is below here. And yeah. it's for me, but it's also trying to take into consideration the guys that are going to look at it coming after me because 
uh, VFX, as you know, is extremely high pressure environment. Mm -hmm. And so anything to make their lives easier. I'm always trying to think of ways that I can make because that, that is kind of my job here at Marvel to a certain extent is to make the concept artists lives easier by helping them to f see their concept in the round and figure things out. Mm -hmm. And so always, always try to have that mindset of how can I improve um, everybody's experience after I work on something? Because if I'm, if my work can look great, it can render great. But if if they're having trouble opening and if they're having trouble figuring out what part goes where, then they may end up just ha not have enough time and have to take a shortcut and just look at it one 2d image that doesn't fully describe the piece in the round. And then we don't end up getting a final model that looks the way we intended it to look. Cause VFX had to do it their own way. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, like I said, they're on very tight deadlines. And so yeah. like I said, I try to do everything I can I even take suggestions. I'll walk up to guys like that I'm working with, whether it be, uh, a, a practical uh, effects guy, the visual effects guys, and say, "What can I do to make to make life easier? What am I What am I doing that you look at me, you curse my name, and be like, why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, I'll, I think this will be the last piece I turn off. It comes on because uh, uh, my poor little my poor little laptop here. Like I'm running a machine that has. You know, 64 gigs of RAM. This poor little thing here is like 20 something. So it's, it's chugging the best it can. Uh, yeah. Free memory, eight active 12. Yeah. Yeah. That is a lot. Yeah, that poly count just murdered. And that, this head that's going to come up is, is going to lag it pretty hard. Now this head that comes up and nothing too, like we, yeah. uh, the, the, all of us here at Marvel, we, we work as a team, which is very interesting. There's no, even though multiple guys may be working on concepts for different ideas for the same thing, mm -hmm. it's all complete camaraderie. It's not pitting one against another. And because we'll all, you know, all the guys will sit there and talk to each other and critique, come over here, look at mine and come over here and look at mine. And it's very, it, there's none of the pitting anybody against each other. That's awesome. Like it's going to, he's pulling it off the screen here. Maybe I'll have to turn that. There it goes. There it goes. <laughs> All right. So let's unpack some of what we've seen already. So you don't have to move the screen. Move All right. Screen then I'm going to turn this head off. Then we okay. can at least look at Let's look at Hulk here. Okay. Yeah. If it drags too much, I have the final render of this and we can. There we go. Come on. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. There we go. <laughs> All right. Ow, ow, ow. Too far. Too uh, far. Too far. I had a uh, bug on uh, mine once where I, I, I say it's a bug. It's, it is user error, no doubt, where uh, I was sitting there using a tool in ZBrush and Ian, who, uh, Ian Joyner, anybody who's not familiar with him. Oh, yeah. Great. Ama yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing concept artist. Look at me drawing another one. Um, I was, the tool wasn't working right. And he's like, oh, no, this is how you use it. I was like, okay. And I went over there and I did it. Okay. I thought I was doing it right. Uh, and, you know, um, let me let me stop you right there. Um, the sure. document double. Did yeah. You, did you double the size? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be one of the biggest memory hogs. Really? Yeah. I've always done it because I hate the I hate the anti-aliasing or the aliasing yeah. that happens. Yeah. And so, uh, let's see who's going to do it for us. You going to do it? All right, then I'll just do it again, and we just won't do it. There we go. No, we'll just draw it like this. All right. All right, well, we'll deal with the <laughs> aliasing. Let me force my hand. Yeah. There we go. So, yeah, like we're looking at a massive amount of points. Let me try to zoom in on it. Um, like I said, we – and that's another thing too since uh, whenever I turn over – like this model here in this pose was specifically just for rendering. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't concerned at all about poly count because my, my, you know, my big rig in there could handle it. It was towards the end of just creating a 2D image. But anytime, say, I'm going to send out an asset to a vendor, yeah, I always optimize. I get rid of get rid of my layers because I'm another thing too. I'm a layer hog, and some of the guys here kind of make fun of me about it because by the time a concept comes to me, we're doing so much finessing and back and forth that. Um, we're just changing so many details that I literally just start putting stuff on layers because sometimes we'll say, no, that doesn't work. And it'll end up coming right back to that. 
later on. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll always optimize my files at the very end, whenever that final is going out, get rid of my layers, get rid of whatever is not needed to basically pack that file down. So again, yeah. so they're not cursing my name, like I'm cursing my own name right now for not having optimized this before a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So th there's a ton of subtools here. A ton. Yes. And like there's, um, there's the, what talk to me about your process so when you're creating these are these extractions are these in maya or max or how are you pulling these out uh pretty much i only use maya for um cleaning up a retopped mesh that i have that i've already done in zbrush usually okay. um i used to start and do a ton in maya and then bring it over but i found that for me now uh just building a straight like say the the big q-tip or actually this is supposed to be an homage to uh, american gladiator this big padded pugilistic things they used to try to knock each other off with yeah um like this was completely built in zbrush through the z modeler which i love z modeler um but then other things like say like the slime or the blood from from the dragon that was just literally like a masked extraction that I then smooth inflated and then use like snake hooker move to pull around to, to get the drip effect. Mm -hmm. um, his helmet, let me see if I can get up here and isolate select his helmet. No, it doesn't. All right, let's go down here and see if I can locate it. Um, things like his helmet are just complete uh, extractions. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with straps. Like sometimes I'll do just based upon how complex it's going to be, I will either leave it in extraction. Sometimes I'll sit there and just do a uh, let the Z remesher take it over. Yeah. But when precision is really important, like let's say it wasn't going to go on a digital character, let's say it was going to go on actual talent. Yeah. I will take all the time and do a complete retop on a model to make sure that, uh, like say if, if something's going to be covering their ears, like say for example, like, um, way back in Avengers one type thing, like, like a cap helmet back then or something. Right. Um, so that I can actually have that scan in there and based upon the knowledge I've gotten through working in practical effects, present an accurate image of what is achievable on that, on, on a prosthetic, like a helmet. Yeah. And why all the sub tools for like the foot? Cause you've got like a heel and then you've got another one. What keeps you from putting those in as one group? Sometimes in this case, it was just how fast it had to go out. Okay. Um, usually I will sit there and group mirrored stuff together um, and just keep everything together. Uh, but in this case, it was just one of those times to where, uh, like I said, like, you know, sometimes in film stuff goes out extremely quickly. Yeah. And in this case, the end, the end result was just to render it. This, this model was not going out to visual effects. So let's zoom in on this. Um, was not going out to uh, visual effects. So, like I said, I just uh, put it to the side since I knew what I was looking at, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let me see. You can see how. Let me turn off. Yeah, I mean, if you I'm can correct, see, that's, 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 that's just, yeah, that's just a, a polished model that's mm -hmm. been, you know, Z remeshed and projected. So, and uh, all right, yeah, so I know we're going to hit some timeline here with you. So let's get some questions. And um, and thank you so much for going in depth on all this, man. So cool. Why, why don't we leave it at your art station? And I'll, okay. read, the, I'll read the questions out. That way those who are watching uh, get to see some artwork. Uh, let me go through. Now's time to post, guys. I'm going to look over here and go to meeting. Matthew's asking, is the proxy mesh like the helmet Z remesh? Just answered that. Um, yeah. quickly. So we got that. Corinne is asking, do you work from scans or busts from the actor? So how much scan data do you get? I guess, if any, um, we try, we try to get as much as possible. Most of the time, like I am able to get my hands on some scan data mm -hmm. uh, at some point. And sometimes we'll, we'll have to go in and request it. Um, because it may be visual effects that, that has that data at that time. Cause they're, they've gone ahead and started a process for that character. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say I work off of concepts. Okay. In the concept phase, uh, having scan data available since we are so early in the process. Um, if we have them from another film, like they've, they've been in a prior film, mm -hmm. then we'll have some scan data available from a prior scan. 
Okay. Um, but if they're if they're new to a film, uh, then that means that that will be at the end of the process. And that's when I'll sit there and take a model I've done a concept for and then refit that to their, their either their current scan data or to, like I said, a new actor to their first scan data we've ever received for them. Okay, got it. And uh, Isaac is asking how much RAM memory. We actually covered that. Um, but he's asking specifically in terms of photogrammetry. So, um Oh, for, for the photograms you're talking about yeah. in order to create, if you're talking about it and like when I created the, the scan data for the yeah. DC piece, yeah. I actually did that here on, um, on this machine. I compiled it on this, this machine here. Cool. Um, and this machine, only had, yeah, it's like 20 something. I think it has eight that are permanent and it had like two or three. It was really strange because this machine only had like two or three other open, mm. um, open, uh, ports on it so so at the time the time it was somewhere between 12 and 24 or whatever i have in it now all right and then jose laro is asking do you mostly create models in zbrush or do you do portions in my end so we definitely covered uh, that jose um so let me know jose if you got any more questions on that uh all right any other questions guys uh you got about 30 more seconds to push that one out so i'm gonna ask um kind of one of the last questions um adam you you know you came from uh, savannah college uh you you put a lot of your own money and time obviously your own time but some of your own money into to kind of further your career um what do you think really helped you succeed like what if there was one thing that is just really core to your success about your success about the way that you approach your art what do you, what do you think that would be if I'm correct, uh, then it's really just being a problem solver and being focused on, you know, solving those problems, educating about those problems and being somebody who figures that stuff out. Do you think that's, yeah, I think that, and I, the, the like a sub thing under that, I would add yeah. is if a piece of new technology or software comes your way and it piques your interest, um, you know, go head first into it. I mean, at the time 3d printing was, only uh, a supplementary to another process it yeah. it wasn't this full-blown thing and i just ran with it and it became this full-blown process and that's yeah. what like i said that's what got me to this point that's great so um i need to uh, looks like i need to wrap it up we're yeah. here in the conference room so i had it between one and two all right so, uh, I, I need to, i need to go ahead and van moose I appreciate the time, man, and I, and I really appreciate Marvel uh, giving us this time too. And thank you, Adam, for for being here, for sharing your wisdom and all that stuff. And uh, for those of you guys, yeah, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for for asking me. It's been great. Yeah, it's fantastic. So take care of yourself, everybody. Character Ditto. guys, Ditto. you know where take to care. find. All right, talk to you later. Thanks. Ciao. Bye. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.